Welcome to Gospel Tangents, the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. You know, Governor Boggs was one of the worst governors in Missouri history, and I was surprised to find out that he started a honey war. So archaeologist Paul DeBarth from the Community of Christ is going to talk a little bit more about that. We'll also talk about abolitionism and a person you may not have heard of, but is very important in 19th century history, and that is the murder of Elijah Lovejoy. So we'll also talk about the mansion house. Was it a station on the Underground Railroad? Paul thinks so. So check out our conversation. Fantastic. All right. So um, so the weird thing is, I knew about your archaeological stuff in Nauvoo, and then all of a sudden you have this new book on Hans Mill. So as we jump into Hans Mill, and you, of course you're the archaeologist, can you give people that may not have watched some of my previous interviews and don't know what, what's Hans Mill Massacre, what is, what is that all about? Well, notice the way you said that, Hans Mill Massacre, what's that all about? I said that on purpose. <laughs> and for Mormons, it's a Hans Mill Massacre. For Missourians, it is not likely to be found in their history books. They call it an incident, right? Well, that's that came from my students. Okay. Because my students have been digging in Caldwell County and digging in Hans Mill, and we got an invitation to give a presentation to the to the uh, Caldwell County Historical Society meeting in Polo. And on the way to that presentation, uh, the question came up: Here we're digging on what the Mormons call the Hans Mill massacre site, but we're presenting to the Caldwell County Historical Society, which had a bunch of people that were on the attacking group in it. How do we address this matter and not be offensive? And I left it in the hands of the students, and they presented that night on the Hans Mill incident <laughs> in the Mormon War. And I've been proud of that ever since, because <laughs> it is a more neutral way to approach it. And yeah, there were 17 people killed, dumped in a well. The small hamlet of Hans Mill was uh, very innocently hit because Han Jacob Hahn was not a, not a Mormon, but uh, his mill was there on, on Shoal Creek supplying wood for the Mormons to build houses as they came into Caldwell County. And he had the grain, the uh, grist mill to grind the grain and he was in a very good position to take advantage of the Mormons coming into that county because it was part of the settlement that had been brokered by Alexander Donovan. Right. And so, yeah, the Hansville incident was particularly painful because it was so unnecessary. You have, you have a, a group of people from Kirtland who left at the beginning of the Mormon War, early July, and made their trek all the way across Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri, months to get there finally in October to be killed in the massacre, in the incident. And to me, one of the fascinating things that comes out in the book is the discovery that in 1838 in Indiana, the Potawatomi village of some 850 people was burned by the federal government to get them out of there. They were then escorted by the uh, military across those same states. They happened to camp in some of the same spots that the Mormons had camped in when they were on the way from Kirtland to uh, Hans Mill. But uh, they came the southern route to Independence and would have been in Independence at the time that the incident at Hans Mill occurred. But they were expecting to go across into Kansas where the government had promised them new houses. Instead they found a cemetery 
and Kansas named a, a county for them. But they left behind a trail of about 100 dead people. And if you drive along Highway 24 through Missouri, you'll find occasional monuments to mark where those children are buried. Hmm. And so the harshness of what was going on in this slave state of Missouri at the time, under the governance of Lilliburn Boggs, um, it's just remarkable. In part because it was a slave state and the slave owner politics was not particularly considered uh, considered of uh, the value of human life other than the white people, the people that owned slaves. People that didn't own slaves that were white generally supported the slave act and, and uh, supported that politics. But it was uh, a pretty harsh day. The harsh day, I found out more recently, since uh, even after the book went to press, that uh, that um, Jake, uh, Mr. Boggs, Governor Boggs, yeah. was also the instigator of the Honey War, which happens to have covered the territory where my farm is in Iowa. Oh, really? <laughs> Part of the fun of the of historical research. Huh. Yeah, six honey trees up there, and Governor Boggs sent the uh, the sheriff up to to gather the six dollars worth of of taxes, and the. Uh, Sheriff came back and said, those people think they're in Iowa. They're not going to pay taxes in Missouri. And Governor Boggs sent him back. You make sure you, you get that money collected. Uh oh. And he disappeared for a while. And we don't know for sure whether he was enticed by some comforting lady or just what happened. But anyway, Governor Boggs issued the order to send the militia up and uh, make sure they got those taxes collected. Sent 1,500 men to... <laughs> Was this before or after Hans Mill? This is after, 1839. Oh, I have not heard this story. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to me, it's pretty good fun because, you see, the division, the division between Iowa and Missouri was initially set up at the Des Moines Rapids and then following the latitude directly west across. But the Des Moines Rapids is 12 miles long. And so the Missourians said it's at uh, Montrose. And the Iowans said it's Keokuk. Oh. And so here's a 12-mile gap where the people in between became known as Harry Nation, because these were Harry scurvy people who didn't want to pay taxes to either state. So Boggs was still governor, so this is around 1840 right. he, 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 or so? Yeah, he, he was governor from 1836 to 1840. Okay. And so here he sends 1,500 guys up to collect the taxes on, on six honey trees. <laughs> and Governor Lucas of the territory of Iowa gathered up uh, 1,200 guys to defend Iowa. Oh, my goodness. And they didn't have guns, and so they got, brought their pitchforks and broom handles, and, and they, they proceeded to uh, defend their state. Wow. Defend their rights to not have to pay taxes. One of the interesting comments came out there of one of the Iowa guys saying, our, our land is in Iowa. We don't want it in Missouri because their land isn't as good. <laughs> 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 Let me finish that one just okay. a little bit. The, the end of the story is particularly fun because by December of 1839, it began to turn cold. The Missourians had gotten, I think, five wagon loads of whiskey, and so they had a pretty good party. And uh, they ended up uh, shooting a deer, cutting it in half, and putting Governor Lucas' name on one and Governor Boggs on the other. And they shot them as target for tar target practice until they turned them into mincemeat. Oh then they my. buried the collections and, and gave them a military ceremony to, to bury both of them. <laughs> and wow. the Iowans, of course, were tired of being cold and, and they didn't have adequate equipment or housing. And so mostly they just sort of uh, peeled off in the night and went home. But they did agree that they should allow the federal 
uh, surveyor to come and put the line in, and he did, and that's the line that's there today. And that line is puts my farm three miles north of the Missouri-Iowa border. So my farm, you see, is in part of that uh, honey war wow. zone. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that funny? I mean, so I have to ask you this because I had Alex Baugh on my podcast talking about Hans Mill. And uh, he called Governor Box the worst governor in the history of Missouri. Would you agree with that? <laughs> One of the worst in the history of the country. <laughs> okay, you'd go even further. Well, he, was, he was on hand in 33 uh, when the... Jackson County riots broke yeah, out. Yeah, because he's from Alabama. Independence. Yeah, right. He's from Independence. His yeah. home was right there, close to where the the uh, um, printing office was, and so yeah, he was apparently on hand and saw it, witnessed, and was part of it. And so that was thirty three. So by thirty six, he becomes governor, and he clearly is in the pockets of the slave owners, and uh, six honey trees, northern part of the state, not paying taxes. Look at all the wasted well, money to go after that. <laughs> and that's so weird to me because, um, you know, he issued the, the famous extermination order, which was, I think, the day before the Three days before. Three that days before. 27th of October, and then the massacre incident uh, occurred on the 30th. Yeah. And, and, and so it's ahead. unlikely, it's un most unlikely that the regulars knew about his order. Right. That is to say that... They may very well have had some premonition of it. They may have had some background uh, dealing to try to advocate for it, but they would not have had fulfillment. And furthermore, the idea of exterminating people would authorize the right to kill. And we don't see that following Hans Mill. They had opportunity, but they basically were driving them out of the state. They were not trying to kill a bunch of people. Right. And that, that's basically what Alex said, too, was we need to get them out of the state. Um, and he said that he thinks that if word had come down in time, it may have prevented the Hansman massacre. Have you heard that before? If word had not come down? If word had come down. If, if, oh, the, okay. if, the, yeah. if the Missouri troops yes. had heard about the, the massacre, yeah. or the, the extermination order, mm -hmm. the massacre might never have happened because yeah, they were like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah it's, it's clearly a possibility. I I recognize though there was a good deal of hostility because while we talk about the religious differences, the fact that the Mormons were coming into a slave state and saying we want to build Zion here with everybody equal, mm -hmm. and blacks and uh, First Nations people can participate, we'll baptize them, and you know, that was very much contrary to what the the slave state ideology was. the The early Constitution of Missouri. I mean, so blacks were automatically slaves unless they carried the certificate to show otherwise. Oh, that's interesting. So when Elijah Lovejoy in St. Joe, in uh, St. Louis, I saw, I forgot his name, the black man who was free get lynched, burned at the stake because he didn't have his certificate with him. Elijah Lovejoy got upset and wrote some very poignant words in his, on his press to chastise the Missourians for being so inhuman. And so they burned his press and and destroyed it. So, what year was that approximately, do you know? Off the top of your head? 1836. Oh, so they, this is right in the time of the hostilities with the right, Mormons. Right, so, and, and then he, he got another press. And, he, and, and the case went to trial, and uh, Judge Loveless was the judge over that trial. Judge Love, no, no, it's a Lawless. Judge Lawless 
what a fun name for a person to be in charge of such a trial. But he, he ruled that uh, under mob action, people lose their personal response, sense of responsibility, and so no individual is responsible for murdering the, the black man. Oh. And uh, oh, Elijah so Lovejoy wrote about that, so they destroyed his press again. And Elijah Lovejoy is just a... Is he was he an abolitionist? Would we say he was an abolitionist, non Mormon, not a Mormon, no. Just just very strongly against well, slavery. There's there's more to this story though. If I go back just a bit, because the uh, the Smith family had had uh, gotten started in Palmyra, right? And several of them, um, uh, Lucy and uh, Hiram, Sophronia and Samuel, I believe it was all joined the Presbyterian Church, and the pastor of that Presbyterian Church had gone to Quincy, Illinois, I believe in, I did in, in, the, in the 20s, well, it must have been close to 1830, and helped to establish the Lord's Barn, which was a Presbyterian congregational, I believe, combination with, with two pastors that were, on, that were abolitionists on the Underground Railroad. And they got Adams County to be the most abolitionist county of of uh, Illinois at that time, and so here they were helping blacks to get out of Missouri, getting them under the wagons and hiding them and getting them up on the Underground Railroad to, on the way to Canada, and then here came these Mormons out of independent out of independence out of Missouri that Governor Boggs was exterminating in 1838, and they didn't have to be hidden, and a thousand people in Quincy, in Adams County housed 3,000 Mormons for about three months yeah. until they moved on to Nauvoo. And interestingly enough, I have archaeological evidence to show that they were very much influenced by the abolitionist process there. We found a hiding place on the mansion house that, that we're not supposed to be talking about yet. Oh. <laughs> we got a scoop here. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Well, but anyway, I'm trying to get, to, get ahead of my story because Elijah Lovejoy mm -hmm. had... Um, had gone across to to Alton, Illinois, after he, his press had been destroyed, I think, three times in, in Missouri. He went across to Alton and got another press, and the slave owners came after him, destroyed his press, and shot him five times and killed him. Yeah. His brother, Owen Lovejoy, then picked up the abolitionist baton. He married a lady who had a, about a thousand acres halfway between Nauvoo and, Carth and, uh, and um, Chicago. And that became one of the major uh, Underground Railroad staging points to get people to Canada. When Owen Lovejoy then came to Nauvoo in 1838, I believe it was, with his daughter and her husband, Joseph III gave them a tour of Nauvoo. And Joseph III had already knew, uh, knew about Elijah Lovejoy being, being martyred for the abolitionist cause, was already profoundly influenced by that, and the privilege of giving a tour to to Owen Lovejoy was a, was an honor that he put in his memoir, hmm. and clearly he was profoundly influenced for the rest of his life. In his uh, section 116 in the Doctrine and Covenants, he uh, he honored the the black people by indicating that they should also be ordained, especially to serve their own people. Wow, that's interesting. And well, there's just so much of a of an abolitionist thread through there that I. I, I've got an article that's just been rejected by uh, about that, now I have to rewrite it. Again. <laughs> we can talk about that another time. But uh, there's a profound theme of abolitionists there. 
William Smith, Joseph's younger brother, right. um, tied up with uh, um, Isaac Sheen in down in Kentucky and uh, Ohio. Isaac Sheen had uh, personally escorted a black man, a slave, from Maryland all the way to Canada to help him get his freedom. And then in his newspaper in Covington, he for six years published the request for some black woman to marry him so that they could appeal against these stupid laws that were forbidding it. No one ever, no black woman ever volunteered for that, so he ended up uh, marrying uh, the Babbitt girl and, oh. and, and but uh, here we're talking here about people, well and, and William was, was tied in with him, uh, they got a number of the Hale family members involved in the Underground Railroad at uh, Palestine Grove, which was William's headquarters, the, um, I believe it's the Richardson family, had a trap door in their living room with a big rug over it. So when the sheriff came and the, the slave, escaping slaves were underneath the trap door, the sheriff didn't find them. But uh, here were people that were tied directly to Isaac Sheen and William Smith, helping to transport people through Palestine Grove up to Canada. Wow, I didn't, so I didn't know that story. And apparently the Hale family had people all the way that, that could help to, uh, to shepherd those people. Well, and I know Emma Hale's aunt married a black man. Mark Staker told me that, and I was like, <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so to, to appreciate that that, uh, that family already had some clear abolitionist tendencies. Right. And, well, what I found at the, at the mansion house in the excavations there, that uh, we, had, uh, we found a big drain. We also found the drains outside, but most drains come off the roof and they, they carry them from the high ground down to low ground and get the water away from the house. Mm -hmm. This drain on the southeast corner of the mansion hotel was a vaulted drain, more than three feet high, about uh, two, a little over two feet wide, lined with brick. And we only dug 10 feet of it, but it was angling from the southeast corner of the mansion hotel toward Water Street. And that was enough to hide three or four men. Oh, really? And it was too high to drain the basement. So why did they do it? Yeah. I think there's clear evidence of the Underground Railroad. So are you saying that the mansion house was part of the Underground Railroad? I'm saying that. Yeah, I haven't got that published yet, but... Holy cow! <laughs> Yes, uh, I, I can show you the pictures that, of, of the excavation that demonstrate this hiding place. I love these tangents because we came here to talk about Hansville and now we're talking about Underground Railroad. Holy cow, that's awesome. I've never heard that before. Well, it's because it's secret. Nobody who was involved... I, I have a lady who, who is an informant here in Kansas City who grew up in a house along the Missouri River that she that was here when the slaves were here, and the house had a tunnel all the way down to the river, so that the slaves could be taken to the river, get them across the river to Kansas, where, which was free territory, and then they'd right. go up to Iowa and, and uh, on, on on up to Canada. They also had a, a pigeon uh, uh, coop in the in the house, and she, as a little girl, was told, "We don't talk about this," and she asked me not to use her name. Hmm. But she was. Well, you know who she is. But yeah, I, I, I've had 
I've had a long-term relationship with her. She's just a delightful person, perfectly honest. But here's a very strict prohibition from people. But after all, the 1793 um, uh, Fugitive Slave Act right. put a $500 fine against people who helped uh, slaves escape. And that then expanded into $1,000, what was it, 1850? And so it became a serious matter of jeopardy as somebody turned you in for helping slaves escape. Right. And it's interesting that we have these little bits of conflict about Joseph Smith because he initially was clearly advocating for freedom for everybody. Mm -hmm. But then by the time he's running for president, we have these uh, highly questionable statements that make it look like he's supporting slavery. And, and in, in, in Missouri, He's, he has some statements to make it look like uh, he's supporting slavery. He wanted to, to provide them a, a place to go in Africa, maybe. But uh, then, then he calls on Copeland, who has slaves, to be his vice president. Oh, that's right. And Before Sidney Rigdon. Before yeah. Sidney Rigdon, right. Yeah. And so here's this fascinating history for the, 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 uh, the political face versus the religious face of Joseph Smith. But it's interesting that he was far more in interested in the equality, I think, whereas Brigham Young then put the ban against uh, blacks having the priesthood, and that lasted until 1978. Uh -huh. Whereas under Joseph Smith III, in 1865, he authorized people should have the priesthood for their own race. That's fascinating. Well, I'm glad that we have an archaeologist <laughs> here correcting all of our history. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our conversation with archaeologist Paul DeBarth, author of Hans Mills Hamlet. In our next conversation, we're going to talk about the Hans Mills Massacre. Is there another name for this term? Battle is a more neutral term. So when you talk to these students in Missouri that want to call it the Bear River, excuse me, the Hans Mill Incident, is that a way of kind of whitewashing what happened there at Hans Mill? Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, there's still a lot of tension. Right. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, subscribe on either Patreon or at GospelTangents.com. For just $5 a month, you can hear the entire audio uninterrupted. On our $10 tier, if you'd like to see the whole video, you can see that uh, either on youtube.com slash gospel tangents, or I've got a special Facebook group devoted for uh, full videos. So subscribe at gospeltangents.com and uh, sign up for just $10 a month. For $20 a month, if you'd like to get some bonus content, uh, maybe some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, you can sign up for that. And then if you'd like to talk to me, for $100 a month, we'll, we'll do a monthly phone call on something like Zoom, and you can ask me anything you want. So thanks again. Also, don't forget about the merch, mugs, T-shirts, um, hats, things like that. I'm trying to get the ties up there. Hopefully, I can get up, up there. And uh, thanks again for watching Gospel Tangents, and click here for some more videos.